Hello and welcome to the Scottish Sun Football Podcast, sponsored by William Hill. I'm David Field from the Scottish Sun Sports Desk. I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Kenny Miller. Kenny, how are you? Good weekend? I'm okay, David. Sunday League Team 1-3-2. All's right with the world. You outstanding as usual? Solid six at <laughs> left back. Played the conditions. A team that had to play the conditions, Kenny, moving seamlessly on with Celtic on Saturday. The Celtic Park pitch is in a bit of disrepair, shall we say. Brendan Rodgers had mentioned it a couple of weeks ago and was very keen to mention it again after the game. I sat in his press conference and he brought it up himself. It's not good enough, it has to be better. He wants a state-of-the-art hybrid pitch, which is going to cost about a million pounds, I would imagine, at least, at Celtic Park. They still got the job done, 2-0. It wasn't vintage Celtic. Is the pitch a factor? I think he shows how much power he's got that he can make a public statement like that that does put pressure on the board to deliver what he wants and what I liked about it was it's not just any pitch he wants he was specific about the type of brand he wants as well so now anything less than that and he's already gone on record he said that's that's what he wants so I'm sure it isn't listen Brendan Rodgers meticulous guy who's clearly into his marginal gains even if you're not so he wants the best if it's available within budget, why why not? It's strange though that you would think that Celtic is a leading team in the country right now with the most money don't have the best pitch. I mean, Brendan Rodgers actually said himself it's quite good to go and play away games just now because the pitches tend to be better. Now, they've got I'm those not, big lamps, big yeah, heat lamps. No, no, exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So, but it's very unusual as well. Celtic Park over the years has always been quite good. So, I don't know where he said it just needs modernised. It's an old pitch. But is it money well spent? Is it worth the million pound or one point five million, whatever it is, to get Celtic up to scratch? Definitely, because I think I think part of the point in in paying more for these pitches is it then costs less to maintain because it's a mix of artificial and, and real grass. And I, I know you'll come on to Hearts, but they're talking about a, a similar sort of surface. I think it's similar to what Falkirk have got as well, which is it's been successful. So no, I think if you pay cheap, you pay twice when it comes to these things. Mm-hmm. In terms of the game, Celtic got the job done. There weren't actually many chances in the game. Motherwell, coming off the back of the 7-2 defeat at Aberdeen, were a bit more resolute and solid. Zach Jules actually played very well, a guy you know from the Scotland 21 and Scotland 19 beat. He was good, he gave away the penalty, but said himself in, in Monday's paper how he'll, he will learn from playing against ruthless strikers like Moussa Dembele. Do you think he's got something about him? Can he make Motherwell a bit harder to beat? I like that Mark McGee made the point that he will allow him to make mistakes and not beat him up for it A because he, he's built like a, a young Mike Tyson so he probably mm-hmm. couldn't beat him up for it but the, he's, he's understanding that he is a kid that's, that's come up from Red and I think I first met him when he was he was 16 and the first thing that strikes you is his build I mean he's he's very un-Scottish in the respect that he's big he's strong he's, he's quick but he can play a bit as well mm-hmm. and as you'll know from having spoken to me he's got an old head on young shoulders so I do think when he settles in that he'll do a job for them. He had a difficult start against Hearts because he ended up playing left wing back because of the red card. Another baptism of fire against Celtic. But no, I think he'll be a player in the long term. We struggle for centre half Scottish football. I'm talking about Scotland, the national team, for centre half so much that anybody that shows a hint of promise is suddenly latched onto. Do you think he could potentially be a Scotland player in the future? And I know it's very early days. He's come for Reading reserves. I think Yap Stam really rates him highly. He's coming up here to, to gain experience. Is he one that could make the step up eventually? He's a mile off it just now, as you said, but I remember I was in Limerick last year for an under-19 tournament. It's the one where Ollie Burke really caught the eye, Kieran Tierney as well. But Scotland, the two centre-backs, so it's Zach Jules and Alec Yakoviti, who's been in and around the Nottingham Forest first team, and they're both, I hate myself for saying it, they're both big, strong and quick, and they were, they were decent on the ball, they read the game well. 
So because we're so short of centre backs, if we have anyone that shows even a slight hint of promise, we really need to look after them. So I do think there is a lot to work with 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 Zach Jules and Alec Yakovi. In terms of Celtic, it's just one after one. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the table here: 73 points from 25 games, which is absolutely staggering. Celtic only dropped two points all season. At home, it's now 13 wins, no draws, no losses, 34 goals for and four against. I mean, Mark McGee said after the game that. Petodri aside, do you think Celtic could easily go through the entire season unbeaten? Do you think it's going to happen? I'm starting to think it will. I agreed with Brendan Rodgers previously that the fickle nature of football, something was going to go wrong, a ball was going to bounce in off someone's backside, they'd get a bad decision against them, but just now they look so good that they would be able to overcome bad referees or, or bad luck in games. They're just relentless, I think. Demand such high standards of them that no one's really dipping, and it seems to be someone different that steps up to the plate every week as well. As Forrest scored a good goal at the, at the weekend. Set Lee Griffiths a challenge to come back, so there's still people there with points to prove. No, I, I just don't see Celtic taking the, the foot off the gas. In terms of briefly just touching James Forrest, he has been one of the success stories of the season for Celtic, but even in recent weeks he seems to have raised at another level. Liam Henderson for the Sunday newspaper spoke about how James Forrest is a role model for all the Celtic Academy kids, given that he's, he's done it from a sustained period of time. He's played for Scotland, played in the Champions League. Has Brendan Rodgers revitalising James Forrest been one of the most impressive aspects of his management, do you think? Because it was a guy who looked, by all accounts, his way out of the club. I think that's the best thing you can say about Brendan Rodgers is the the work he's done. He's like a football womble. He's he's, he's taken what he, he had and got the best out of it. He's he's turned some of these wombles like James Forrest into players because I'll be honest, he wasn't somebody that historically I rated. I thought he was quite quick and running in straight lines. I didn't think there was much of a an end product. I just think the best thing you can say about Rodgers is that he seems to have a way of getting inside people's heads. And even people like Liam Henderson who haven't played that much, nobody seems to want to leave Celtic. Now, there must be a must be a reason for that. And um, Forrest, you can tell, is is enjoying his football, and that's probably half the battle. Okay, there, there isn't a race for first. First is done and dusted. Celtic. It's just a matter of time before Celtic win the league. There's big, a big, real big verdicts this week. There, I know, there's a real race for second. Well, Aberdeen are now stretching out ahead. Aberdeen six points clear of Rangers. To touch on Aberdeen, first of all, it was a win that watching the game yesterday. For a while, Derek McInnes maybe thought it won't come because uh, Kilmarnock had taken the lead and they'd actually done quite well. Miles Addison then comes on and I felt quite sorry for him because he had a nightmare and Aberdeen, full credit to them, got the two goals, Jaden Stockley and then Peter Pollock, two subs. Great decisions from, from Derek McInnes. How big a win is that for Aberdeen? It is a big one. I think it's funny that one of the things that Derek McInnes has done well recently is to stop tinkering. He's had a consistent lineup for a change and that's been reflected in the results. But this was one of the occasions where he did roll the dice and it did pay off and Aberdeen just seemed to have that swagger about them again, that belief that maybe went missing earlier in the season. So you can only really see them kicking on now. In terms of the timing of it as well, it's come at the right time because Rangers are obviously struggling. Aberdeen seem to be going from strength to strength. He's got a full squad available and also you get Ryan Christie coming in from Celtic and making an impact. I do. I said at the time when Ryan Christie came in, I thought he would produce more than Madison. You can say what you want about Madison's natural talent. He's obviously gone back to Norwich, but the end product wasn't always there with him. His assist and goal tallies weren't that great, whereas Christie's someone that has, has hit the ground running. And his goal last week was, was tremendous, great technique. So they've, they've strengthened well. And as you say, if you can get more out of people like Pollock, it's a bit like Brendan Rodgers getting an extra player in, in James Forrest, you, you're you going to get the benefit of that. Aberdeen are now six points ahead of Rangers and with a, a goal difference of 21 better 
which is an extra point. So it's, it's effectively seven points ahead of Rangers. Do you expect them to hang on to that second place? I always thought at the start of the season and for most of the season that Rangers would finish second purely because of the budget and the, the fact they should. Studies bear that out. But Rangers have been such an unmitigated shambles recently that it's now looking more and more unlikely. I think it would be Rangers losing second place rather than Aberdeen necessarily doing that much to earn it. Rangers discuss, I mean, a defeat against Dundee. Dundee, I felt, were very worthy of it, especially in the first half. I thought Dundee approached the game really well. They were relentless. They hounded Rangers. They get in about them. There's some really, really good performances. Kami Kerr, Dan Adi, Mark Ahara. They got their two goals. Was it all about Dundee being good or Rangers being bad or a mixture of both? I want to start with giving Dundee credit. Mark O'Hara has been one of my hobby horses this season because Kilmarnock drummed him out of the club. Lee Clark wasn't even bothered about getting a sell-on clause or anything put in that deal. He just wanted rid of him. And Paul Harley has reinvented him in a position no one saw coming. His attitude's brilliant, natural ability. I think Craig Whiten's kicking on, Cammy Kerr we've discussed. So from a Dundee perspective, there's a a lot to be positive about and the, the strength of that where, where do you start with Rangers where's, where's Fodderinger is not as good as people have made him out to be I raised the question in the office earlier did Joe Garner deliberately get booked to save him a shift against Celtic it's probably not it's probably not enough in his head to think like that because the, the, the brain cells he's got he's probably lost over the years from just throwing himself at the ball I genuinely don't know where to, don't know where to start where to finish with Rangers well, well, I, think, I, mean, I, I, think a, I think they're a shambles but, uh, I mean is that so what is that down to? Is that down to poor signs? Is it down to the tactics of Graham Murty yesterday against Dundee? Is it just down to the players just aren't up to it? It's what hard to it? be too critical of Graham Murty, but I will be critical because I don't think a Rangers manager should be on the sidelines chewing his jacket or breakdancing when they miss a, mm. miss a chance. As athletic as it was, uh, <laughs> as someone that can't even do a backward roll, <laughs> I was maybe quite critical of Mark Warburton fairly early on. Mm. Maybe because of my Hibs leanings and they mm. were up against Hibs in the Championship, but... I think his recruitment was terrible. He's left them with an unbalanced squad. Who's the one sellable asset? Barry McKay, and it's debatable how much you would you would get for him. You've got loan players who may or may not be interested. Certainly won't put their foot in where it where it hurts. Try and pick one single centre back from the entire squad. Nothing up front. Kenny McDonald, I thought, were a really interesting column on Kenny Miller's output for all the talk of how good Kenny Miller's been. He's actually not scored that many goals. I mean, he's not scoring. There's there's no one else. I just think they're a, a mess and there's a few players I think hiding behind the general crisis headlines at Rangers as well and not, not taking accountability I don't think Lee Wallace has been that good struggling really to give a Rangers player pass marks but they could still finish they could still finish second Looking at the table and, and this is this will lead me on to my next, my next point Rangers are six points behind Aberdeen they're six points ahead of St Johnson in fifth so and, and Hearts are a point closer again you know, there's as good a chance just now, especially the form Rangers are in, that they could finish fourth as opposed to second, or an equal chance. Does that then give them more drop points? And there's some hard games coming up, you know, Rangers need to go to Pataudry, they need to go back to Celtic Park in a few weeks. Does that then force the Rangers board, who have been very clear in the last week or so that they want a director of football and a head coach or a manager below them, but that's the long-term plan. Does this now speed up the need for an interim manager because Graham Murray has been pretty clear that he doesn't want to be the manager that he's just doing it until he's told the weekend was pretty clear in the sense that he's not the Rangers manager he shouldn't be the Rangers manager the Rangers need to get somebody in to ensure they don't finish fourth or heaven forbid for Rangers fifth totally agree I think they're bang on and I bored everyone senseless with all my director of football chat I think they're right to get a director of football in and then allow him to pick the head coach that he wants and they're right not to rush that but totally agree that it's too early in the season and there's too much at stake just to write it off and say to Graham Murty 
no harm to him, but here, just take the team for as long as it takes. It's not an ideal situation, but where's the harm in just saying to an Alec McLeish, who would would do it, let's face it, take the team for a a few months to the end of the season, offer them a bit of money, maybe incentivise it. It would definitely be an upgrade on what they've got just now. Or, Or somebody like Billy Davis, who clearly has a burning point to prove. I do think they have to bring someone in because I think it's tough on Graham Murty as it stands. And uh, those are the only two. Is basically is that a two horse race between those two? If Rangers do it, and, and you've got you've got to imagine that they must be seriously thinking about doing something this week. Is it Billy Davis or Alan McLeish? Is it as simple as that? For the there, there's not a long list of interim candidates out there. Where I feel sorry for Graham Murty is that the players know it's definitely not going to be him. So you can see people maybe easing off. Interim managers are, are difficult in that respect, whereas at least Alan McLeish has a bit of gravitas about him. He, he's been there. He's 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 won. I don't want to say the Billy Brown. He's been there and won things. Billy Davis, I think, would command respect maybe by fear as much as anything because he's a, certainly an interesting character. I don't know, there's not many candidates beyond that, is there? No no one certainly springs to mind. I see Jimmy Calderwood when I play squash but, but on a Monday see, night. But see, I mean, see all joking aside, do you not think that someone like Jimmy Calderwood would do as good a job as, as anybody right now? Because I'm, I'm not talking about a guy coming in to revolutionise the club in three months, I'm just talking about a guy to come in, steady the ship get Rangers playing to a structure and a system and getting the best out of players. We spoke about Brendan Rodgers getting the best out of players who are underperforming. There are clearly Rangers players there who are underperforming. So is somebody like Jimmy Calderwood that ridiculous? I think there is something to be said. You know Jimmy Calderwood would get the players laughing and joking again. And we're not talking about when Alan McCoy was getting players to put the ball off his backside or whatever was going on there. But if the players are enjoying their football, then that's half the battle. And Rangers theoretically have better players than the rest of the league bigger budget than the rest of the league so you think that that would lead to a, certainly a short term boost and that's all Rangers really need mm-hmm. and you know we'd be up for it so no I, I don't think it's as ridiculous as it as it might sound Long term director of football is what the club want our Sunday newspaper Ken Lawrence one of our English based reporters had Ross Wilson as the favourite Boss Wilson was the headline that I quite liked simple she's always best <laughs> director of football we don't know if it's going to definitely be Ross Wilson he was a favourite but is it is that the sort of profile you should be looking for a, a young up and coming well connected modern guy as opposed to some people say Alan McLeish director of football for example is it, is it do Rangers need someone with modern outlook modern ideas and a real idea for how that role should work it's a nonsense to think you can just stick an experienced token name manager in a job for a specialist Ross is someone I've known for a long time since he was at Falkirk listen he's as good a networker as I've ever seen. He's got an extensive contact book in Scotland, England, throughout Europe. His career has been one upward curve. I wrote at the time he'd be the ideal candidate for the performance director job that Malcolm Mackay got. He would be the outstanding candidate for, for Rangers. I don't. I just don't see the argument against it. There's been some hysterical nonsense said this week about director of footballs giving managers players they, they don't want. It's just not gonna. It's just not gonna be the case. I just think you bring in somebody like Ross Wilson and let him rip the club up, start again. People say, well, what about Celtic? The fact is, Celtic's academy works, Celtic's recruitment works, Celtic have a modern-day training ground and stadium to be proud of. Those areas of the club work, so you just need somebody like Brendan Rodgers to fine-tune it. Rangers need someone to pull all those areas together and revolutionise it from grassroots up, so they need someone to do that. Celtic don't. So it can't just be... You go as the director of football, but here are the, the kind of limits. It has to be somebody that's given a blank canvas. Hundred percent. I, I heard somebody even claim this week you should say the director of football. You you, you can't have any say in first team matters. You can't 
help identify first team players or the, the strategy and it's, it's just a nonsense it, it works everywhere else apart from Scotland whereas we have these outdated ideas people say oh it's a continental thing it's a con-. you mean these continental people that have worked out how to play football oh, I'm away in my wee director of football right now but I just think it's not for everyone Celtic don't need it Rangers do they need the right guy personally I think Ross Wilson would be nuts to do it although I can understand the appeal of the challenge but he'd be the outstanding candidate so if they can get him go and get him because he'd be the best signing they could make Hearts do have a director of football and I'll seamless link here you're getting good at this one each against Inverness on Saturday which was a surprise for me I thought Hearts would win the game comfortably the pitch like Celtic is causing problems I think it's going to get wrapped up this week it was a bad one for Hearts I must admit I think, I think they would expect three points especially if they're pushing for that third place but they've got a better pitch to play on on Wednesday night against Hibs in the Scottish Cup replay how are they looking for that game do you think was it bad preparation obviously dropping points or are they going to just hit their stride at the right time I think there's been an acknowledgement about how damaging that pitch has been it's not like Brendan Rodgers complaining because the pitch isn't quite right the pitch is atrocious at Tynecastle after years of underinvestment in the, the Romanov regime it's coming back to bite them now so I actually think Hearts will be fine on a, a better surface I think it'll suit them somebody like Julius I felt for him in the Edmund Derby because he's, he's clearly the best player on the pitch and he's shanking the ball out, out the park because the, the turf's crumpling beneath his feet so I think we'll see how good Hearts can potentially be on a, an improved surface do so you, I, do, you, I do fancy them to beat Hibs at Easter Road so you just mean in terms of the width of the pitch the standard of the pitch everything everything, everything. the pitch is far too tight for the way they want to play it's too bobbly I mean it's not even as if it's a dodgy surface it's a it's a terrible surface it's completely undermining the, the way they're trying to play so I would cut it's not like me to cut Ian Castro some slack but I would <laughs> cut him some slack on, on this one Neil Lennon didn't cut his players any slack at the weekend I've advised all the listeners and I'm, I'm informed I've got a few new listeners for the last few weeks it's great to have to listen to Neil Lennon's post-match interview read Neil Lennon's post-match interview and it's one of the most astonishing I think I've ever heard I mean, Roger Hanna. He was a man in the fire And I think he just started well, Neil, and it was two minutes later, Neil Lennon stopped for breath. Unacceptable, un- unprofessional and disgraceful. That was the way he described Hibs' 1-1 draw against Ray Rovers. This is a Hibs team that have got a chance to get to quarter in the Scottish Cup. They're seven points clear at the top of the Championship, homing in in promotion. What did you think, Kenny, of his words? Very explosive comments first, from Neil Lennon. I think the first thing to point out, and it's important, is that Lewis Stevenson was excused <laughs> from, from blame here. I won't have anyone criticising him. I think Neil Lennon's half right. He has been very, very critical of the players every time they've dropped points. I'm not sure how often a manager can go to that well without the words losing some of the impact. But he's not been as critical. That was that was that was another level. level. That was to, I mean. So so my point would be: does he ha- does he have a point? Uh, uh, you know, he do, he the stats and the fact. And I'm not talking this season. I'm talking for the last couple of seasons. Hibs have Hibs underachieved in that league. In the league, they certainly they won a cup. I don't know if I've talked about it enough, but uh, it's inarguable that they've been complacent. And lazy sometimes think they can turn up and, and win games I'm not sure about picking out John McGinn because I, I don't think that's ever something you could accuse him of but was that because John McGinn didn't reach the standards Neil Lennon expect? Neil Lennon thinks the world of John McGinn he thinks he's a, a top midfielder but was he not trying to make the point that you can't let your standards slip maybe maybe listen it's hard to argue against most of what Neil Lennon said the flip side is 
that Neil Lennon's the man in charge of getting the best out of the players. You can question some of the signings, which I don't think have, have worked. Maybe I'm being harsh. I think Alan Stubbs may be in a better success rate with signings, but they're still in the Championship. So it's hard to argue against Neil Lennon. We'll see if it has the desired impact. They should still win that Championship. What I don't agree with him is when he made the point that he's got a small squad and that he didn't have many options to, to shuffle the pack. Compare that squad in depth and quality to every other team in that league. So I'm not really sure that's a, an angle you should go You down. watch Hibs a lot, and from outside looking in, to me, I wouldn't be surprised if Hibs beat Hearts on Wednesday night. Okay, Scottish Cup game, big Scottish Cup game. It you wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, right? But, see, likewise, see when Hibs go to Dumbarton, it wouldn't surprise me if Hibs lose a game. Why is that? Why, for the last three years, or the last three, has, has that been the case? Hibs have beaten countless Premier League teams during that period, but they've also lost to part-time teams. Why? I think it's changed a bit in that the defence was always leaky and porous, whereas I think it might still be the best defence in British football at the moment. Darren McGregor's been terrific. They have missed Paul Hanlon recently. Midfielders don't score enough goals, and other than Jason Cummings, who's also criticised, there's just no goals throughout the team. And you think the names, the names on paper that they should be chipping in with far more far more so I think a lack of creativity and a cutting edge is, is killing them we don't expect to see Pat Stanton in the Hibs team even though Neil Lennon did threaten to play him I'm sure he could still do a job Pat but what, where do you, how do you see the game going it's a huge game I think it'll be quite not, not defining for, for, for both managers but there's a lot at stake for both managers in terms of this season how do you see it going he left out Martin Boyle and Chris Humphrey from the game at Tynecastle. You can maybe see the point. Bad surface, tight pitch. It'll be interesting to see whether he brings them back for, for Easter Road. I think Hearts will win because I think they've got better players and on a better surface I think that'll maybe show. But there, there really isn't much in it at all. I do think there's a lot riding on it for both. I think if Ian Cathro loses then basically hitting the reset button again he'll get criticised. I think if Neil Lennon loses, he could probably just about get away with it because promotion's the, the be-all and end-all. But as Neil Lennon said himself, you, you could see the Hibs players rising to the occasion. I just think Hearts will have enough about them. There was two semi-finals at the weekend as well, um, the Edinburgh Cup. And the final is going to be Dundee United versus St Mirren, 30 years on from the Scottish Cup final, where the two teams faced each other. Are you surprised to see both go through? But we're pretty tricky ties. Uh, St Man beating TNS, the Welsh champions 4-1, Dundee United beating Queen of South 3-2. What you expected? I wasn't surprised that St Mirren won because the noises coming out of TNS seem to indicate that they thought that might be a step too far mm. for them as much as St Mirren have, have struggled. Listen, I'm in favour of the competition. I was gutted in 1998 when they didn't run it, when Hibs were in the first division again, mm. didn't get a chance to win it. So I'm in favour, but I do think the current model is an absolute abomination. Why? I don't like they've gone cross-border and involving also runs from, from other countries. I just don't see the point in that. Maybe I'm a traditionalist. I just don't see what that adds. Does it not add a bit? I mean, because there's going to be two... No, I'm not going to say glamour, but there's also going to be two teams from the Republic of Ireland coming in Why? the tournament next year. Well, it's to, it's to add some interest to the competition. Do you think the competition was fine as it was? The Ramsdens and it's had various sponsors over the years... Do you not see any point in you know St Man? I mean, we spoke to Jack Ross the other day. And he said it was great going down to Faralla to go down to Ballatown, a, a day trip, a day out. TNS are coming up to play St Man. Do you not see any point in that at all? Listen, I'm all for innovation. I've got kale in my lunchbox today. I'm all for we trying discuss new things. That later. Right. But I just don't see the point in change for change's sake. I, I do think they wanted to 
I do think they want to change for change's sake to bring in cross border. Maybe there is a conspiracy theory behind that. With bigger clubs wanting to experiment with that, I just don't see what it adds. I think it was a nice tournament that gives lower league supporters a realistic chance to have a glamour day out. And I, I just don't. It just does nothing for me. It leaves me cold, to be honest. The final was at Hamden last year. Uh, Rangers Peterhead. Where should the final be this year? Somewhere that will definitely generate an atmosphere. So historically, you would have said Tynecastle because there's no better ground for that. But that pitch probably can't take it. So take it to Easter Road and fund the Hibs promotion push for a few extra pennies. Staying in the lower leagues, uh, just finally, I think I, I, I think we really should cover this. Well, I talked to one of our colleagues, Scottish Sun. Uh, you know, a really honest, revealing. <laughs> Insight uh, today, the Dean Brett betting story. Dean from Cowden Beath is under investigation with SFA for alleged bets he's made, including some against his own team. He's been very honest about this. Also claimed, you know, hundred uh, percent that he always tried in those games. It's not as if there was any anything, any wrongdoing. A the story, Kenny, and and just in, in a general sense about betting with footballers and, and, and the authorities. Great interview from Willie. I think first off we have to say that I think we all sympathise with Dean Brett because he's had a bad hand in life the last wee while. And the general issue of footballers betting, it amazes me that footballers still do it. They know by now the rules; they can't do it, so they shouldn't do it. I don't personally. I don't think it makes a difference whether you're betting for or against your team. And I've heard people argue the other side of it. We talked about Ian Black previously. If you're betting for your team, that still affects your decision making in the game. If you're panicking and, and selfishly trying to stay on the ball and make something happen when you might have passed previously, I'm sorry to say it because in his case it's a bit sad, but you should be hammered for it. And it has to be a more substantial ban than we've we've seen before with people because the odd game really isn't much of a, a punishment. So nobody wants to see him hammered specifically, but I do think they have to tighten these rules up. Does it also show that players still need and, and maybe and, and don't get me wrong there, there is an education element to it and of course they have to take it on themselves and there has to be a common sense element but that there still has to be work done to ensure that players are fully aware because you, you will get some players out there who, are, who who don't think there's anything wrong and maybe, maybe, maybe they're right to bet on Paris Saint-Germain versus Barcelona but it's against the rules and as you see Joe Barton who's in kind of trouble down south for betting in games you know associations are going to come down hard on previously I might have agreed but I just think PFA have obviously done so PFA Scotland have obviously done so much to make it clear these are the rules the SFA have done the same it's been in every paper every media outlet was happened to Joey Barton and people so I don't think there really is any hiding place for, for footballers now and I know footballers who still bet I'm sure you do and it's just something that they think keeps them well it's grounded normal man in the street does it so why shouldn't I but there that's, that's the rules so I, I don't really have any sympathy for them. There's, they can bet on anything else other than football. No problem, Kenny. Thanks a lot for that. You're welcome, David. Always a pleasure.